0: Okay folks, just testing something there, making sure of something. But you know You know with you know with movies lately and everything, you know, throughout the history of movies, television shows, you name it, sometimes we've always thought to ourselves, What if this was played out on the screens? How would people react? What if we decided to do this, how would people react? What would their thoughts be? Well, quite frankly, sometimes the thoughts of the the moviegoer or the television viewer or even the reader of a comic book or or whatever, sometimes when they see something happen, the first thing that will go through their minds, when they see something happen that, well, is pretty much... To quote what the nostalgia critic sometimes says or uses as an, as an example in his reviews, and God forgive me for saying this, Lord forgive me for saying this, but most of the time what goes through a person's mind is a major mindfuck. And the reason a major mindfuck goes through a person's mind is because they start having this, that they start having that WTF moment when they see these things. And the WTF being, excuse my language again, Lord, and I apologize for this, uh, what the fuck, basically that's what WTF stands for, what the fuck, because basically that's the question that comes to their minds of what the fuck did I just see, and did this movie just play a mind fuck on me, or did this show just play a mind fuck on me, or did this book that I'm reading, or this comic, did they play a mind fuck on me because what the fuck did I see? And again, this is something that has been going on since the advent of cinema, including animation shorts and stuff. But, with that said, you know, it's one of those situations where you think to yourself, well, well you ask yourself, what were those people on? Were they tripping? What were they on? Did they, you know... i uh, just checking something, but, you know, you say, you ask yourself, what were those people thinking? What were, were they on some kind of acid trip? What were they smoking? You know, what was going through their minds at the thought of the process? Because, like I said, throughout the history of cinema and television and even comics and novels and all that, people always ask that question of what were people thinking? And it goes back all the way, like I said, to the beginning of cinema, and even to the advent of those little feature shorts, serials, if you will. And in the case of animation, through Warner Brothers, MGM, and Disney, sometimes once in a while you would get these kind of things, things that you wouldn't expect. I can recall, honestly, from my own personal experience, and you can actually see a clip of it here on YouTube under WTF, I can recall watching the Donald Duck cartoon from the 1940s, when it aired on Disney Channel for the first time as a kid I rem- I remember watching Duck Pimples and the one scene that stuck in my mind throughout that film or throughout watching that short was not only was it a mindfuck in a sense even for a young kid and probably even for those back in the 1940's who saw it in the theaters but for me it was a mindfuck because there was one scene in there that totally was a WTF what the fuck moment. And that moment was when the uh, the female in that in that short, I can't think of her name right now, they gave her a name. And I can't think of it right now. But the female in that short, the as some people call it, the pre-Jessica Rabbit-like character in Duck Pimples, the WTF moment was happened when she's looking for her pearls. She thinks she spots them in the back pocket of a detective or an ins- inspector that's supposedly helping with the case. And instead of not finding them, she finds handcuffs. Instead of finding the, the you know her pearls, she finds handcuffs. But basically, the WTF moment, getting to it, trying to get to what I'm trying to say here, happens right afterwards when she basically says. Uh, basically says, oh bother, and then climbs up the freaking, climbs up and under the freaking trench coat of the inspector-slash-detective and then just lays there. I mean basically you see these two big old lumps, one representing her head, one representing her backside and then they just settle in into two small lumps, and then goes flat and then that goes flat as if now she's just suddenly merged with the guy and become part of his body and that leads to a big mind fuck, a big WTF, which I entitled the clip as on here on my channel. Because then all of a sudden you see her hand stick out. She's doing like a little magic trick, like pull the rabbit out of the hat with the inspector's hat, puts the hat back down. And then when the guy's calling for one of the his assistants, you see her hand come out like this and kind of be like a kind of like as you're shouting, going like hey, you know, and all that, right? Her hand. Her arm comes out with a hand, and her hand goes like this in front of his, at the side of his mouth, while he's doing this, acting like a third hand. And then, when he's reading the business card of his assistant, she basically is scratching his chin, while right the other hand is putting on the glasses, acting like two extra pairs of hands. And it's like, what the fuck? What were these guys thinking? Were they on some kind of acid trip at the time? Even though acid trips really didn't become something of the norm until about the 60s and 70s? You know, what were they thinking? You know, because that, I mean, honestly, even, I mean, (laughs) even in cartoon shorts back then and now, if something like that happens to a character, the character more along the lines will notice and do something. It's like, what were they thinking to have the character, who turns out to be the villain, by the way, or the thief, if you will, uh, what were they thinking of not having the guy know that his extra pair he had an extra pair of hands, and oh, by the way, those extra arms and hands were females. I mean, he's looking for the lady, thinking she's kidnapped, and yet, they don't put in this fact, they don't add in st- into the story that, oh by the way the female's on your freaking back and again she acts like an additional pair of arms and hands like she's like I said, like she's merged with the guy like she got absorbed into the guy's body or something even though she pops her head up immediately after he reads the card it's like pops her head up up out of the back of his trench coat, like, after he reads the card and after Donald drops these uh, hot irons back into the book. I mean, it's like, honestly, what, what the heck? You know? And again, these are one of these moments that make you think, why? What, what were they thinking? What, you know, what were they thinking that come up with these, these WTF moments? These, these mind fucks? What were they thinking? And then, and then if you think that's something, how about the lustful milk gag? I've talked about this on camera, and I've talked about it through text on DeviantArt and other places. But, again, what were they thinking coming up with this? I mean, I understand through animation, you want to have a visual representation of something that, in real life, can never really happen on camera so through animation you are provided with that opportunity to visually see uh, you know what that character is feeling or what that character feels like in animation form so it helps out but again what were they thinking when back in the 1940s if not earlier than that they come up with a lustful milk egg? of having a female character freaking melt into a puddle. Swooner crooner is the earliest exception that I know of. And true, we've seen various examples elsewhere. And if for anybody that wants to know what the lustful egg means, in reality, even those that run TV tropes, the lustful egg basically is when a character, male or female, melts into a complete puddle. Not just halfway through or part of their body flattens out and looks like they're melting, no. They melt into a complete freaking puddle. And no, not somebody going on top of other people acting out a freaking orgy or anything like that. No. Or even doing a variant because they see a fig- some kind of collectible figure they want. No, none of that. It's basically when a female or male character gets amored or attracted to a f- to another character of the same gender that it causes them to melt into a puddle. And Basically, animation allows that to happen from a visual standpoint. But again, it's like, what were they thinking when they came up with that gag? What was the person thinking at the time? Like, okay, we got this Frank Sinatra-like character because a lot of characterizations of famous singers and actors and actresses back then were the norm. So you had this Frank Sinatra-like rooster, and all of a sudden, one of the hens... Melts into a puddle, and all you see is like a little uh, uh, mohawk or whatever thing, a little quills, a little red quills, sticking up, and that's it. And she's nothing, and all she is now is nothing more than a shaky black puddle, black melted puddle, like rippling, and all that. And it's like, what were they thinking when they came up with that? And again, like I said, we we've, we've seen that probably in earlier examples and later examples. Heck, I'll give you another later example. Popeye. Now, I'm not counting Fistic Mystic because of the fact that when Olive melted, she didn't melt. She just turned yellow and went, did the get run over by piano deal going down the stairs. That's what she did. The pancake kind of deal. The one I'm talking about is Paula Vu And again, just like with Duck Pimples, when I saw that, not only did I become make me a fan of the gag, and it did, But when I saw that, I thought to myself, well, wait a minute, these characters are supposed to be human, yet visually, you know, because when you think back on it, and even as a kid you think this, you think, think, well, these characters are portrayed as humans in this cartoon, but visually I just saw the main love interest, who many have dubbed, probably is the more attractive, probably the more uh, prettiest, if not Disney-like, in a sense, rendition of Olive, and I know that sounds crazy to say, of olive oil in any Popeye short, period. All of a sudden, we see her melt into a puddle of, melt, melt into a pool of melted, of melted butter that's flowing, running down the floor. And all you see is a big, is her eyes and a smile. That's it. All you see is her eyes and a smile. And as she's flowing down the floor, Later on, if you watch it, as you get older, you notice that there's little, uh, little dry spots coming up around her, and you're thinking, that's how they're ending it? What the fuck were they thinking? Why end it like that? You could have had that done in the middle of the freak cartoon when blue Little kissed her. And it would have made more sense. You could have had Popeye come in, scoop her up, dump her back out, and there you go. It's like, what were they thinking? What were they thinking? Right? I mean, I understand some of the Popeye shorts, even back when Flesher Studios did it okay Max Flesher and all of them did it yeah they were some of them were WTF moments as well and when Paramount and King Features got a hold of it that was continued on but in more Toonie style but still it's like you look at that, you, you look at Suna Krooner you look at all these moments that I've talked about and you think what in the world were these people thinking I mean even The Simpsons for as long as they've been on the air, have had the WTF moments. They have. They've had the WTF moments, let's not deny that. Even Futurama's have them, Family's guys have They've all had those mindfuck WTF moments where you think, what were these people thinking? What were they smoking? You know? And there have even been features, live action and mostly animation, throughout the 60s and 70s where well, you've had these kind of moments, where well, you've had these WTF, mindfuck moments with movies. Ralph, Bas- Ralph Baskey is probably one of the biggest examples of this with movies like American Pop, Cookskin, uh, what is the other one, Hey, Good Looking, you know, even Fritz the Cat, but mostly the first thing I talked about out are probably one of the biggest, uh, probably some of the biggest WTF My fuck movies you could think of. And even some people will put uh, Richard Williams, Stephen the Cobbler at times, with a, you know, re cobble cut, which everybody re- suggests you watch, and even I do, as well as even the Merrimax version. People sometimes look at that and they think, what the fuck were they thinking with some of these scenes? Even when Richard Williams did Raggedy Ann. And Andy, and did their movie. It's It's like, what was this guy tripping on? What were they thinking? You know, there's been so many various moments like that. You know, like I said, even in animation, through television series, animated television series, you think that. You know, back in the 80s, I can recall several times, I've seen several episodes of shows that I grew up on, and I know some people will agree on that even though they were one-shot deals, a part of a continuity or whatever, you had situations happen to the characters that made you think that even if it was a one-shot, a part of the continuity, and it was just for that episode, it made you think. And looking back on it, it made you think, what were the writers thinking? You know, you know what the fuck were they on? Why, why did they give us this kind of a mind fuck of an of an episode? It didn't make any sense. It really didn't. You know, it's all, it's, every, it's all those kind of situations when you think about it. It's like, what, what were people thinking? Why would they come up with things like this? It's like it didn't make any sense. Again, like even if it was for one short or for one shot deal, it had nothing to do with the continuity, or if it was for just that one episode, and whatever happened to said characters got restored, and it was part of the continuity, and it was referenced probably later on in an episode or two. It's like, what were they thinking? Why would they come up with this kind of stuff? You know that you know those kind of situations heck even you know even with Cartoon Network you had shows that they did like Powerpuff girls have had that have had these kind of situations Dexter's laboratory has had it I remember I remember one I remember there were several shorts two in two in particular were DD Dee Dee, and I actually have these episodes on DVD courtesy of a friend at I offer because I wanted to see, because these things make great conversation pieces, in a sense, because you wonder what the writers were thinking when they came up with this. Okay, you have one episode where Dee Dee merges, thanks to one of Dexter's inventions, merges with the car, and basically, you know, she gets restored to normal by being farted out of the exhaust pipe at the, at the back of the car. Basically, her car form that she merges and becomes with the car farts her out of the exhaust pipe in the back of the car. But yet, the car is still in the shape and it still has the color and look of Dee Dee on it. Still has a facial feature probably on the front and you're thinking, what were they thinking coming up with that episode? If you're not, if you're, if you're going to restore Dee Dee, what were you thinking leaving the car the same freaking color as she is and kind of hinting at the folks that... Hmm, something doesn't seem like why, why. is the radio on the girly station, and why does the car freaking look like Dee Dee? You know, it's like what were they thinking? And then Dee Dee's tail. Dee Dee's tail is another one. Dee Dee's tail is another one. It's like, it's like what were they thinking with this one? Because just like with the car one, she got turned into another, into something other than human. Now, the car one, she got restored because, like I said, she got farted out of the freaking exhaust pipe in the back of the car. Here, she goes to a freaking phase where she wants to become like one of the My Little Pony knockoffs that they were parodying in the show. Or whatever they were called, pony princesses or whatever they were, pony princesses or something. She wants to be like them. So, Dexter's seeing the potential of not only could he study about horses and how they work, he grants her her wish! He has a freaking machine actually that allows this to happen. He grants her her wish, she gets turned into a pink horse, which a lot of people pretty much, uh, if you're furry or not, felt is the more attractive look for Dee Dee because she looks more beautiful and attractive this way. I don't know. But overall basically, but overall at the end of this, she doesn't get freaking restored. No, at the end of Dee Dee's tale, she gets to run off and be free like a regular pony. A princess pony, a pony, My Little Pony knockoff character. And you think to yourself, what were they thinking? Continuity wise, you would think the parents would wonder, uh, where's Dee Dee? Where did she go? What happened to our daughter? I mean, continuity wise, you think the parents would wonder that to the point that Dexter would be like, follow me, see that horse over there. That pink horse, that's her. I mean, you think, honestly, they would come up with a concept like that. Maybe a follow-up episode. But no, it's just like, end it there. And that's what I'm talking about. You know, these shows having episodes short sometimes that on one-shot deals because then that has nothing to do with the continuity later on. It doesn't. It doesn't. It, it, again, it makes you think, what the fuck were they thinking? Inking, coming up with this mindfuck of an idea. You know, it makes you think that. It makes you think that. And again, sometimes these are one-shot deals. And why are they one-shot deals? Because sometimes it's just something that the writer has to get out of the system. And then they just go on and do the rest of the continuity. You know, sometimes the writer, whether it's a live action show or an animated show, sometimes they will put a warning in front of the television before the episode saying this has nothing to do with the current continuity or storyline you're seeing. This is a one shot deal. Sometimes they will do that. But most of the time, most of the time it is a one shot deal and they don't say anything. Because then you look back at episodes that come on later on, and you wonder, why are they mentioning what happens to so-and-so? I'll tell you why. Because of the fact that it never happened. It was a one-shot deal. Want the biggest example? What the biggest example? And I talked about this. I'm surprised Linkara hasn't talked about this. I'm surprised nobody's talked about this that much. There are several others, but not many people have talked about it, except on the special features of the DVD set. Where even the crew and the actors and actresses pretty much regret doing this episode. Basically, I think it's an episode of Star Trek Voyager or Deep Space Nine, one of them. And basically, one of the main characters uh, wants to try to attempt Warp 10, which, oh, by the way, was already established in previous incarnations that Warp 10 can be done. Pretty much, because of this, gets side-effected and mutated into almost... A lizard like character that for some odd reason is backwards evolving into a salamander like creature. So, what happens? Because of this, at the end, he kidnaps the captain, one of the more popular Star Trek captains, and probably one of the, I think, the only major female Star Trek captain. What's he do? He kidnaps her, does a whoop 10 with her, the same thing happens to her. They end up landing on a planet where they're found by the rest of the crew, but they're found, what, in three days, and oh, by the way, within three days, not only does the the character that's affected go full salamander, backwards evolving to full salamander, but so does the captain, and oh, by the way, within three days, because of that, not only did they go full salamander, they mate, and they have kids. That is one of those WTF mindfuck moments that not only is a one-shot deal, but is so WTF and mindfuckery that even the cast and crew look at it the same way. Because even they wonder what the fuck they were thinking when they came up with that episode. And it's so bad. It's so much of a WTF mindfuck episode in a one-shot deal that it's discontinued from continuity it's basically a one-shot deal it's like I said it's one of those one-shot deals originally obviously it was intended to be part of the continuity but because it was so messed up so messed up they basically said screw it we're gonna discount it or discontinue it from continuity yes it'll be part of the DVD set but it's only a one-shot deal uh, we'll just say it was a mistake that we made and it was just something we had to get out of our system. Because mainly what a lot of these WTF my fuck situations uh, episodes in live action or animation, or even in movies, live action animation, that people do. they do it because they got to get it out of the system. There's one guy, I can't think of his name right now, who has done some metamorphosis like kind of animation. And he has a couple of movies to his name. One of them is, I think it's called High School Hair or something like that. And basically you have the two main protagonists, the love interest, the boyfriend and girlfriend, not only do they get ran off the road, killed, and seemingly die together with the car at the bottom of the ocean, but one year later... They're sitting there still, as now skeletons, a spider going through the freaking girl's skull, and all of a sudden they come back to life. One year later. And you're thinking to yourself, what the fuck were they thinking with this movie? Because there's also some visuals that make you think that. And if you think that's crazy, how about his other movie before that, I made, uh, before or after that, I made a strange person. Because you have the plot of this, Is the main protagonist gets some kind of chip put in the back of his neck and it gives him the powers to basically shape, shift, or metamorphosize anything to his will. So basically the girl he falls in love with becomes his girlfriend, his love interest, his wife, whatever. He gets to experiment with. How does he experiment with her? Well in one of the scenes where they're making out, well basically they're making love of in the bedroom, he basically turns her into different things. He turns it into a cheerleader, he turns it into a robot, he turns it into a freaking beaver. I mean, it's like, oh, a rabbit, I should say. He turns it into the Statue of Liberty. It's like, what the heck? And again, it's one of those WTF mindfuck situations where you're thinking, what was this guy on? And again, it goes back to the fact that it's more along the lines, it's more along the lines that this is something the guy had to get out of his system. He did. He had to get this out of his system when he did it. That's sometimes what these are all about. Getting it out of your system, even if it doesn't make much sense. You know, for me, if I had the artistic license and everything, I would hire a crew, I'd get in contact with a top female artist, music uh, singer, or up and coming female singer, singer, whatever, and I would work with them on a song to do a music video for a song of theirs. Where I would say, we gotta make this song, because it sounds like it's perfect for it, almost scene for scene remake of Peter Gabriel's Sledgehammer. Why? Because it's something I would wanna get out of my system and make happen. And it's still something I wanna see happen, and I keep viewing various animation groups and pages at Vimo, and on YouTube, and the internet, just to see if something's out there. And honestly, there's a lot of videos that you could tell whether they admit it or not. The artists take inspiration for what they saw there. They do. From Peter Gabriel's video. They do. But anyway, that would be something i want to get out of my system if I had the luxury to do it. If I had the opportunity to do it. It's something I'd want to get out of my system. But I can't. And I'm still hoping someone's going to do it. I really do. But again, that, that's me, for example, wanting to get that out of my system. But if you think that's crazy. Even in live-action film, people do things, have done movies and stories that have basically, uh, movies and stories that have basically been, you know, those mind-fuck-like movies, those WTF-like movies. And not just in the past decades, either, but in the past few years. I'll give you an example. One that came out last year, I think it was last, I think it was last year. Yeah, 2014 I believe yeah 2014 Lucy with Scarlett Johansson of all people Black Widow from Avengers and Morgan Freeman starring in one of the biggest movies of the year and if not visually entertaining films, in fact that's what they say some people call it exciting and smart Heart pounding, 100% entertaining, and why? Because of the fact it's a visual spectacle. It's you know it obviously has a good plot. There's no doubt about that. You know some critics, some people have crit, some critics have panned it. We're not we're not going to say that it hasn't been. It doesn't have its uh, detractors because it does. It's kind of a mixed bag if you know what I mean. But the reason it's a mixed bag is basically because visually. To those that are not are kind of in the middle, some that are uh, detracted from it, and some that are attracted to it, the reason it's, you know, kind of like I said, it's got that mixed reaction all the way around, is because of its visual, it's mostly a visual spectacle of WTF mindfuckery. That's right. WTF mindfuckery. And the person that came up with the movie, the story idea, basically had to get it out of the system. He did. There's no doubt about it. It's the same thing with the person that approached Robin Wright, R. Foreman, and Walt Weath Basher, R. Foreman. It's a film by R. Foreman, I think so, yeah. Is it? Yeah, written and directed by R. Foreman. This is something that obviously he had to get out of his system. He went to Robin Wright, asked her to portray herself in a movie that basically is a WTF mindfuckery right in the middle of it. I mean, the story and concept is good, but it's one of those movies that as you get towards the middle of it, and it goes from live action to psychedelic animation, almost out of the, which is almost like a mixture of the, the, four, the, the, the 30s, the 60s, and today, it makes you think, what the fuck were these people thinking, right? Because, visually with the animation, there's a lot of stuff that goes on. The characters basically can turn their hands into wings so they can fly like birds. They grow plants out of their bodies sometimes. Heck, even the, the hands. Like, there's, a, there's a scene where Robin Wright in animation form is making out with the, one of the main uh, animation protagonists. Her love interest, I guess, in animation form. And basically, her hands are growing into, like, little tentacles. Kind of digging into the ground and becoming, like, roots. And while they're becoming roots and they're growing and growing and growing, it's like she's turning herself into a freaking plant. Because you see flowers and stuff produced all over the place. And again, it's one of those WTF, what the fuck were they thinking, mindfuckery kind of deals. And again, I think it's basically because the guy, our foreman had to get it out of his system, he did, you know even Japan with their anime and all that, Japan has had a lot of anime, whether it's good anime, bad anime, mixed, whatever, some of that anime has been WTF, mindfuckery anime, let's not deny it, let's not deny it, even some of the uh, more mature, more mature anime, if you catch my drift, it has been mindfuckery, if you know what I'm talking about. It has been. I'll give you an example. From an almost semi-mainstream kind of situation. Revolutionary Girl Utena, which I have talked about, they did a motion picture uh, version of the movie, uh, an, animated, an anime motion picture adaption of the film, basically a retelling of the entire series. But the biggest difference, the biggest difference that they added in The biggest difference that they added in was the climax at the end. The climax at the end where you freaking Utina turn herself into a car! That's right. There's a freaking car wash that pops out of nowhere. She gets dragged into it. She gets turned into a freaking pink car that, oh, by the way, during the climax, gets covered by a red sheet and gets... Morphed into an even more slicker car, and then, oh by the way, at the climax gets crushed by these little treadmill with these uh, tread tractors, and only she's only able to survive after her and Anthony basically say this, uh, the the uh, what is it, the main line of of something like revolutionize the world, and they burst right through the the antagonist of the film all in one piece. And the making out, have, making out on what's left of the Utina Car that Utina was, That's, and it's like one of the, and it's a big WTF because if you're a fan of the original Utina Ma- Magna or the original Utina uh, anime, and you see this adaption and you see the ending of it, you too think, what the fuck? What kind of mind fuck is this? And then it only occurs to you if you read the commentary that the director was taking a page out of Sleeping Beauty, but in reverse. Because throughout the film, Utena was the prince, Anthe was the princess, and just like out of Sleeping Beauty, Snow White, the roles get reversed, Utena becomes the princess when she becomes a car, Anthe becomes the prince, and the way to wake her up is to drive her out out of the academy area and into the real world. Again, it's one of those WTF moments, you think to yourself, why? What were they thinking? Why change something that didn't need to be changed? I mean, not saying it wasn't indicated that the characters could turn into, uh, into other things. You know, there's a, an episode in the Utena anime where one of the main, I guess you could say, uh, uh, one of the main anti-protagonists, if you will, sort of the tri- uh, tween antagonist tween-tagonist, if you will, uh, basically turns herself into a cow and then either her boyfriend or little brother does the same thing so she can take care of it. It's like, what? So, and again, it's one of those WTF deals. And again, it still continues to this day because there's a lot of regular anime, uh, more A lot of of anime with all ages, uh, teen, you know, adolescent anime, young adult anime, very mature anime, where a lot of these kind of things happen. They do. And you're thinking to yourself, again, that same question that people ask for generations, WTF, what the fuck were they thinking when they came up with this mindfuck? Because that is the biggest question. But I know this video is going into several parts and I do apologize, or well, this subject's going into several videos, several video parts, and I apologize for that. But there's another thing as well. You see, you see, it's not just it's not just the writers of animation, of animated, and animation, anime series or movies live action movies or series, or even comic books, because believe me, there have been several stories in Marvel Comics, DC Comics, RT Comics, IDW, Image, Dreamwave, well, this has happened as well. You want a good example, there's a story, I don't know when it takes place in the whole situation with Ultron in the comics, where Ultron, I guess it's a female Ultron or whatever, possesses Tony Stark's... Iron Man suit while well, he's still wearing it basically possessing him and it, by using the Ultron nanites morphs him him and the body into an exact replica of Wasp That's right wasp is right there. So what does this female Ultron do when she You know takes control and manipulates Tony's body and armor and all that he she morphs it into a replica of wasp and if you read that issue or even seeing that situation, and you think to yourself, or even seeing that panel, you think to yourself, what the fuck were they thinking? What were they on at that time? What kind of mindfuckery is this? Because it makes you wonder, what the heck? But again, it's not just limited to or limited or unlimited to any of that, to movies or to live action movies or series, or animated anime, live action movies or series, or even comic books. Even us as fans have been guilty of it. That's right. Even us as fans have been guilty of it. And because of a reason. Because of a reason. And the reason is because it intrigues us. What we see, it intrigues us because when we see these WTF mindfuckery moments, it intrigues us and even inspires us to come up with our own ideas. Because they're so out there. And because it's so out there, we become a fan of it because we, in, we are intrigued by it and we're inspired to create our own stuff. There's a, f- a friend of mine called Chaotic Lover 2 at fanfiction.net, Devon art, and even here on YouTube, that has come up with uh, several stories that he has done chapters and chapters and chapters of, and sometimes hasn't even started on yet, because either he's busy with work like I am at times, or something, but he comes up with so many different ideas that not only does he make a story, like I said, that goes for several chapters, but it's a very intrigue, but the stories he comes up with for the characters are really intriguing, interesting, and you sometimes when you read them, want to see them actually become an official comic book adapt, want to see them officially adapted either into comic comic book form or animation form. And what he does is he's a fan of the elastic, he's a fan of characters getting elastic powers. Kind of like Elastic Girl Mrs. Incredible from The Incredibles. But he goes beyond just them being stretchy and elastic. He allows them to shape shift and morph their shape into different things. And the characters he started this with, is this trend with, believe it or not, from what I got introduced by, was the Freedom Fighters of Sonic Hedgehog, mostly Princess Sally. And then he made that follow-up on giving it, giving those similar powers to Luke and Amy. And how did he do that? By having Luke and Amy accidentally fuse into one body. And then through that, he gave it to Fiona, who became good because of this. It, and I think even Nicole, who was possessing an animatronic version of Fiona or something. Or something. Or actually, it was Nicole possessing Uh, Fiona's body because they weren't sure if they could trust Fiona, but Fiona even got a similar powers even sort of a Android-like form But anyway, he has fun with this He has fun, he allows, not only does he tell a good story with these but he allows the characters that get infected that are in the situation like Sally is to have fun with the powers He allows them to manipulate and shape and morph their bodies into almost anything Like, there's a scene where she's training her body, training, training training with, training, well, basically there's several scenes where she's training on how to use her new elastic powers, how to manipulate her shape, morph her shape, whatever, and there's a scene where she's training with Sonic, and she comes up with the idea to morph her shape into basically a voluptuous, sexualized version, you know, bigger bust, longer hair, more attractive, kind of Jessica Rabbit-like, and in the story it stops Sonic in his tracks. It's like, holy smokes, I didn't expect this, hubba hubba, kind of dude, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and it's not just that, you know, he allows her to go to semi-liquidization, if she gets caught in a, situ- in a deal to where she's got to find a way to get out of it, she turns herself into a almost semi, if not total, liquefied version of herself, goes through the cracks and then reforms. He even has allowed her, obviously taking inspiration from, like, let's say, Plastic Man to manipulate herself to become clothes or even armor for her fellow friends, which she does for Luke. And it's pretty cool, it really is. And again, she, this gets passed on to Amy and Luke after they get fused and then separated, to Nicole through Fiona's body. And Nicole Fiona do an android-like body. It's kind of crazy. It really is. And then if that's not enough, you have loops, kids or daughters. They get affected by it in the in that same story. Or, and in the follow-up where they crossed over with MLP MLPFIM. And then if that's not enough, he takes this similar concept and he takes it over to the Crypto Superdog franchise. Does it to Brainy Beaky. Uh, 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 Brady Barkey uh, the leader of the Dark Stars he does that to her because he makes her become a love interest for crypto I mean not crypto but for a much. and just like with Sally he allows her to have fun with it become, get more of a personality and then if that's not enough he does a crossover between Phoenix and Ferb and Road Rovers by having Candace and her two friends get turned into anamorphic wolf girls and they become stretchy and then he has something planned for Lola Bunny out of the Looney Tunes show, and it's like holy smokes, you know, and again, if you're new to this, if you're new to those sto- stories like I was, you think to yourself, man, what was this, what the, blank was this? What the fuck was this guy thinking? What kind of mind <laughs> fuck is this? But when you read the stories and you see how much hard work and dedication he put into it, you realize, okay, okay, I get it, yeah. You know, this is a mind trip, a fuck that he took me on by doing this to these characters, but I see the hard work he has put into the stories to make them believable, make them be stories that you would want to see adapted into official comic book form or animation form. So sometimes when, sometime, so sometimes when that happens, when these WTF mindfuck, mindfuckery moments happen, you know, sometimes they're like out of nowhere and they could be bad, like with that Star Trek deal. And sometimes they could be good because even though it's something you think makes you think, what were they thinking? What were they on? On and everything? What were they smoking? You realize it's not that bad because they have a good story that follows along with it. And again, I've had several friends that I've recommended here on YouTube at Divinar to do original stories sometimes that come out of not just my mind, as commissioned, or their mind because it's something they've been it's something they've been working on for a while. But when you read them, either it's a commission for myself or somebody else, or it's just their regular projects that they're working on, you think to yourself, if you're new to it, you think the same thing. What the fuck is going on here? What kind of mindfuck is this? But then when you read the story, you're like, oh, well, okay, I get it. It's a, it's a nice little story. You know, there's a story behind it. There's a reasoning behind it. There's character development. And sometimes they're just a little funny one-shot deals. Like recently I had uh, somebody I commissioned through points at Art to a little uh, short story of Sally uh, creating an invisibility formula that also had the uh, properties, also had the power to allow her as it being invisible to merge with inanimate objects. And, then, and even though it wasn't as long as I, was thou- I thought it would be, it was still good enough in its own one little shot deal that it had character development. Because you had Sally being Sally, being kind of wondering, making sure, always coming back and asking Nicole, okay, is this going to work? Is is this an effect? Can you analyze this, that? Always still being Sally, but kind of growing a bit of character development by having fun with these powers and kind of being a little mischievous. So, again, and again, like I said, we're just as guilty as the writers in Hollywood through the movies, television series, animated series, animated movies, live action series, live action movies, web series, whether it's animated web series or animated web series or live action web series or whatever, you know, we're just as guilty. We're just as guilty. But again, the reason we're just as guilty by, by creating these WTF mindfuckery moments is because we get intrigued by those that we've seen. Intrigued by those WTF, what the fuck, mindfuckery moments that we've seen in cartoons, movie, in cartoon movies, anime movies, cartoon series, anime series, live-action movies, live-action series, you know, even web series as well. Like I said, even web comics, because of the fact, actually, it's something we never, we don't see every day. Even if it's a one-shot deal and it has nothing to do with the rest of the continuity, or it's a one-shot, or it's just something, it's a one-episode deal, but it does. Get reflected back on in the continuity. It's something that intrigues and inspires us, but again, it still keeps us asking years later, "What the fuck were they thinking?" When what were they think? What the fuck were they thinking when they came up with this? So that is why we see these mind fuck like moments, because it does keep us asking, "What the fuck were these people thinking?" So, that's all I'm going to say on this, folks. Let me know what you guys think down below. Do you know of any mindfuckery what-the-fuck moments that you've seen that I haven't mentioned in anime, animation, live action, live action or so, that I haven't mentioned? As well, as what was the first WTF mindfuckery that you've seen in animation, live action, and so on? Let me know down below. Comment if you like. Sorry that this topic was in several videos, and I'll talk to you all later.